the Pistons put forth a really good effort last night at Denver against the Nuggets. Unfortunately, they did fall short, but this was a performance from a lot of guys that they should be happy about and should be okay with losing. This is the kind of performance that, and the kind of effort you want to see from these guys in a rebuilding season like this. We'll talk about everything else that we saw inside of this game on today's episode of the Lockdown Pistons podcast. <laughs> Locked On Pistons, your daily Detroit Pistons podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's the deal? Welcome back to another episode of the Locked On Pistons podcast. Per usual, I'm your host, Kuka Hill. You can find me over on Twitter at Kuka Hill. If you haven't already, head to our YouTube channel, hit that subscribe button. It's the best way to support the podcast. I want to thank you guys for making Locked On Pistons your first listen of every single day. We are free and available on all your podcast platforms and I got to tell you guys, I know, I know, I know you guys are probably mad. I told you guys on Friday that we had no more of these late releases. It was going to go right back to our normal schedule. But I, you guys have to forgive me for this one. This was nothing I could have done about this. So the way we record the podcast, I share the recording studio with multiple other channels at the Lockdown Network. And last night, since the Pistons had an hour late of a release of a, of a scheduled game, by the time the game was over, all the times were already booked up that night. So I wasn't able to get into the studio. So Moving forward, now we really should be fine. We really should be great, and we should be able to get back to the regular scheduling uh, release. I'm going to get another episode recorded tonight just to make sure we can get it started back again Tuesday morning. Uh, but we have a, a lot of stuff to talk about in today's episode. We got Kay Cunningham, who played another great game and showcased a part of his game that I'm really happy about seeing develop. We had Isaiah Stewart have what probably could be, or at least in the discussion, as his best game of the year against one of the best centers, if not the best center in the NBA, Nikola Jokic. And also, we had the first glimpse of Killian off the bench. Is that going to be something we continue to see moving forward, or is it just a one game? Did I like what we saw from him off the bench? And to talk about all this, we're going to bring friend of the podcast, you guys all know him very well, Bryce Simon, host of the uh, Motor City Hoops podcast. Bryce, how you doing, man? I'm good, cool, man. Thank you for having me on. I'm excited to talk Pistons. And like you said, it was one of those wins kind of felt like last year. I think somebody tweeted that out that – I think it may have been James Edwards the third from the Athletic that you know it kind of reminded people of some of the tough competitive losses from last season. Yeah, definitely. This is the kind of loss that that you know I feel like me and a bunch of other a bunch of, and all Pistons fans have really wanted to see the kind of competitive and they've had a few of those. Uh, I would say as of I think over like the last month and so they've had more of those than they were towards the beginning of the season. But uh, definitely the kind of performance that you want to see before we. Get completely started. I just want to shout out me and Bryce's teams. We're both going to the NFC Championship. You feel me? Number nine, that bad man. I told you guys on Friday he was about to send that goat home. I told y'all on Friday, and he did it, man. I was losing my mind in my living room. And then, of course, I thought that game was going to be the best playoff game of the weekend. Then Bryce's team, Kansas City, goes out there and has what I think is the best game I've ever watched between Kansas City and Buffalo. But both our teams advanced. So we're both a little happier today than we usually would be. Just real quick. I won't go through the whole story. I just want everybody to know. I literally muted 50 words on my Twitter account for 24 hours and put my my text messages away and all that stuff so I could watch the Pistons game live without having the Chiefs game in the background, recorded the Chiefs game so I could watch it after the Pistons game was over on Sunday night. So that's how old I am on the Pistons. Um and then that Chiefs game, man, that, that was just wild. And that lady, I told you, crew, that lady set in front row of the Pistons-Nuggets game kind of ruined the game for me. They kept showing her on the broadcast. So, um, but it, no. it was it was too crazy of a game, man. I don't even know if that really could, could ruin it. That's how crazy that game it, was. It, it didn't, was. man. It, it still was insane. 
it was it was wild. But enough of that. Let's get get into our Pistons. So Bryce Cade last night had a really good game against the Denver Nuggets. But a specific part that I want to talk about is his use of the mid range right now. Uh, we've been seeing that happen a lot. I feel like we're, we're seeing it pick up a little bit more from Cade over the last few games. Uh, I'm I think that's a really big part of his game, and I think it's a really big feature the Pistons need. Or, or will open up the Pistons' offense moving forward if he actually makes that part of his game. And Dwayne Casey kind of hinted at this before the season and the offseason. Remember, uh, me, I think me and you talked about it a lot on here. He mentioned the fact that they wanted to get more mid-range uh, opportunities for their players. Uh, and you see that I think that it's more suited towards uh, Kay Cunningham, who's really taken a lot of these mid-range pull-ups and, and hitting them at a decent rate over the last few games. Uh, if he's able to become a three-level scorer, uh, and, and I feel like that was something that he was pretty – People saw in his future coming out the draft already, uh, him being a three-level scorer. That takes – it makes it so harder for you to to guard a player like that. Like, for example, over in Houston, this is this is the example I always use. Uh, maybe it was a little unfair, but it is what it is. When James Harden was in Houston, I always said – now, they, they eventually always ended up losing to Golden State, so maybe you could say if it wasn't Golden State, they may have won a championship anyways. Possibly. But I always said, Houston, if they just incorporate a little bit of the mid-range, they would have been a better team. There was moments with the James Harden-led Rockets where it was literally only threes or a layup, and teams would just give James Harden over and over and over again, the floater, the mid-range, and he just wouldn't take it. I feel like that really – the late great Kobe Bryant talked about it a lot when he evaluated the Rockets' offense. I believe it was like three years ago when he did it four years ago. Uh, he talked about how it makes it easier to guard an opposing team when they know that you're just going to completely section off a, a whole, like, what is it, like, 20 feet of the court. So I think if, if Cade can make that part of his offense uh, consistently and efficiently, it will really not only open up his game, but open up the floor for the entire Pistons offense. And that's something I don't think the Pistons have had since, since, since when going back to Rip Hamilton days, like even Blake, when he had his great year, he wasn't taking middies uh, and who else before that? I don't know if you can, I don't know if there's any Pistons I've ever had uh, someone I mean, you date back to Rip Hamilton. I'm sure probably Grant Hill or some some, some guys back then. But it's been a long time, is my point. Uh, so I think it would be a really good thing if, if that's something that sticks around and he continues to put into his game. Yeah, I mean, having that third level, because in the three-point percentage, it's slowly creeping up. It's at 32%. It was really good in college. I think everybody believes that he's eventually going to get there with that. He's been way better. I don't know how you feel about this, Koo. I know we're trying to focus on the mid-range, but he's been way better getting to the rim, into the lane, and finishing. Oh, yeah. The numbers aren't, like, unreal, but they're better than what I thought whenever we heard all this. I mean, I remember a a green room this summer listening to you and Duncan and Keith and everybody talk about, you know, the athleticism thing. And you guys were all saying it wasn't as big a deal as I I don't remember who was trying to make the point that it it was. But the thing about analytics is analytics just is simply – the most simple thing is analytics say you have to shoot 50% from two to or better to make up being a 33% three-point shooter. It's points per shot is essentially what it is. A three-pointer is worth more than two. And But if you're getting wide open ones, like what you're talking about, what teams were doing to the Rockets, then yes, you have to take them. And I even tweeted this out, and I'm an analytics guy. I'm a three and get in the lane type of guy. But if Jokic is just going to stand in the lane, then Cade and Isaiah Stewart should have taken mid-range all night long. They would have hit him at a better than 50% rate. And I even tweeted out later on, 
back-to-back possessions, Cade turned one down, ended up in a turnover. Isaiah Stewart turned one down, ended up in a turnover. So you absolutely have to take those. And then as he makes them, people have to step up. Now he gets to the rim a little bit easier. And then it just all works together. Yeah, and Cade is just so much fun, man. I I just want to say that too before we wrap up this segment. Cade is just so much fun to watch. He's such a good player. I'm so happy that he's on the Pistons. They made the they. I think it's very clear that he they made the right pick. I know Evan Mobley is is currently fighting him for Rookie of the Year, and he may win it because he's on a better team. But really, I think if you just anyone who just watches Cade, he may not win Rookie of the Year because all the other stuff that goes into it over a season because of how it started, whatever. But I think it's quite clear you can see why he's the best rookie in the draft. It's just he's he's so good and he's in both sides of the floor too. Like he's he's affecting the game on offense, playmaking wise, scoring wise, and defensively. He's just so good. I really enjoy watching him play. Go ahead. I was gonna say one and I don't think he I, I'm not this isn't a knock on Kate. I'm not trying to critique him, but I don't think he feel seems like he's in shape yet. Or like he's mm-hmm. in you know what I mean? Like he's in shape, but like it seems like he doesn't always have his legs underneath him. Um, we've talked about this, like the second game of back-to-backs, he hasn't played well. Like th- that's probably all rookies. I'm not trying to critique him or saying it's a huge like cause for concern. I'm just thinking I think next year whenever he comes back and his body's a little bit stronger, he's a little bit more like NBA in shape for 82 games, he's going to be even better. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with that as well. I, th- I Like you said, I think it happens to a lot of rookies getting accustomed to the NBA schedule, back-to-back, so many games, all that. Uh, and also I know that he was, I, I don't know, I'm not like a doctor or anything, but I know he's vegan. I, I know they spent a large part of the off season towards the end, getting him to bulk back up. I believe they say he lost about 15 pounds and he had to gain that back. So I think after another off season, I have a professional uh, nutritionist and, and trainers and all that stuff. I think it, you'll see him come back even better next year, phys- physical, physically and um, stamina wise. So again, Great to see th- this kind of thing from Cade. He continues to take these middies. It's it's a lot of fun to watch him. It really looks a lot like Kobe Bryant. I feel like a lot of people always compare it to Kobe, obviously. I hate being that kind of person that always compares it to Kobe. But, like, when he – that one pull-up midi that he hit in, like, the middle of the paint, I believe it was in, like, the first quarter, he – the leg kick and everything, it made me immediately think of Kobe. So that, that's all I'm going to say. I, it, I really love seeing it. It's a lot of fun. I love seeing guys who are able to hit that type of shot, uh, even though it's not the most – beloved shot nowadays in the NBA. I think it's definitely a shot. If you can make it, you should take it if they give it to you. Yeah. Um, but do you have anything else to say? I was just say three level scores are hard to come by. Um, you know, something we talk all the time with Sadiq Bay about. So if he has it, then that's just, that's huge for this organization. Absolutely. So when we come back, we'll talk about Isaiah Stewart, who may have had possibly his best game of the year against who could be the best center in the NBA. Last year's MVP, Nikola Jokic. We'll talk about what he did in this game. Is it something that's sustainable, something he can string along together for multiple games, for a season, et cetera? We'll talk about that when we come back. But first, I have to tell you guys about some of our sponsors. First up is Truebill. Do you know why free trials are new without your consent? It's a business scam out to get you. Don't let greedy corporations pocket your money. Download Truebill to take control of your subscriptions. Truebill is a new app that helps you... Identify and stop paying for subscriptions you don't need, want, or simply forgot about. On average, people save up to $720 a year with Truebill. Because companies make subscriptions hard to cancel, Truebill makes it incredibly simple. Just link your accounts and Truebill will cancel your unwanted subscriptions in just one tap. And your Truebill concert is there when you need them to cancel unwanted subscriptions so you don't have to. Truebill also has over 2 million users that help them save over $100 million. Like Matthew B., who says, quote-unquote, 
in a matter of seconds, I saved $660 for the year on my DirecTV bill, saved $120 a year for the year uh, for the year on my Sirius XM bill, and saved $840 a year on car insurance, end quote. So don't fall for the subscription scams. Start canceling today at Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. Again, go right now to Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. It can save you thousands a year. That's Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. Then let me tell you about another one of our sponsors, your guys' favorite sponsor, Built Bar. It's the new year, so that means New Year's resolutions. If yours is about getting fit or eating healthier, make sure you include a Built Bar in your plan. Built Bar is the protein bar that actually tastes like a candy bar, maybe even better than a candy bar. Built Bar makes it easier to stick to your resolution. Because it tastes so good, you'll actually want to eat it. Unlike other protein bars, which can be chalky or waxy or taste like a chemical spill, you want to eat healthy, but it just gets so boring. But like week three, you might be thinking to yourself, this is just not worth it. Where's all the chocolate at? Well, Built Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. Most Built Bars contain 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Compare that to a candy bar, which usually has around 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and dozens of net carbs. So here's an idea for the new year. Go to all your secret treat stashes at home, in the pantry, at the office, in the car, wherever. Throw out all the sugary or calorie-filled treats and replace them with Built Bars. So when you're craving a snack or a treat, you can reach for something that's healthy and tastes incredible. And there's so many flavors to choose from. Coconut almond, peanut butter brownie, raspberry, cookies and cream, salted caramel, mint brownie, and many, many more. In fact, Built is always coming out with new and limited-time flavors, so check out Built.com often to see what's new. So, go to Built.com, use our promo code LOCK15, and you'll get 15% off your order. Again, that's promo code LOCK15 for 15% off your order at Built.com. Built Bar, the best-tasting protein bar ever. So, I want to thank you guys again for making Lockdown Pistons your first listen of every single day. We are free and available on all your podcast platforms. And if you haven't already, head to our YouTube channel, hit that subscribe button. It's the best way to support the podcast. I appreciate all the support you guys have been showing me. Continue to show everybody we are the best fan base. We are the best podcast on the planet. I appreciate all of that. If you haven't already, head to the YouTube channel, hit that subscribe button. I'd really appreciate it. Uh, but yeah, Bryce, let's go ahead and talk about some Isaiah Stewart, man. I know that on the podcast, I've been critical of Isaiah Stewart. I think the entire, I think a lot of people in the Pistons community has been critical or have been critical of Isaiah Stewart, more so because of his offensive play. I think defensively, everyone sees what he, he brings to the team. Obviously, the team is better defensively with him on the floor. However, when we pointed this out multiple times in the podcast, how much worse the Pistons have been offensively with him on the floor? I believe right now he's hovering around Nick, the on off difference is at minus 8.5, somewhere around there. Uh, hovering right around there. It's probably looking a little bit better at the last night's game where Isaiah Stewart shot eight of eight from the floor, making all of his shots. He did foul out this game against Nikola Jokic, but he was absolutely battling down there with Jokic all game long, did not shy away from the competition, did not shy away from the physicality that Jokic obviously plays with. Uh, So I thought yesterday was a really, really nice game from Isaiah Stewart. And since I spent the last segment talking the majority of the time, I feel like I'll let you start off here. What what was it about Stu's offensive game? Or if you want to point out some things from his defensive game, go ahead. But I, I think we're going to spend a lot of this time talking about his offensive game. What did, what did you see that you like to see? Or do you feel like there's still things, you know, he went A of 8, but maybe some things you still want to see moving forward? Hey, man, this is your podcast. You talk as much as you want, man. I'll, <laughs> I'll stay here and listen, and then I don't have to turn it on in the morning. So you never worry about that. It's all good. Um, I feel like I'm all over the place with Isaiah Stewart, Koo, because – Like, all I want to do is see him be good at one thing offensively. 
And I like go, I'm like, okay, like if he's just good in the dunker spot or dump offs, I'll be happy. Or if he could just be a pick and pop threat, I'll be happy. And then after last night, I watched him like, okay, maybe it's in the short roll. Like maybe he can, maybe he's not going to feel comfortable shooting threes, but maybe he'll be comfortable short roll, 15 footer. We talked about how Jokic was playing way off, but that would also eventually guys are going to step up to him. So then can he like put it on the bounce for one or two dribbles? Like, honestly, like Trey Lyles, a little shot fake and drive it and finish. Or can he catch and, and make some nice passes out of the short roll? So I'm all over the place with him. I don't know what it, the answer is. I would just like to see him develop. Even if it's just one of those things, Kuwait. Because if he does all those things, he's unreal. But if he just does one of those things offensively, he starts to provide a lot more value on the offensive end. Because I am probably higher than most on Stu because I love how switchable is. I think I think he's really, really good defensively and really valuable because he's so switchable, even though he gives up a little bit in true post situations against guys like Jokic. But at the end of the day, who doesn't? So, Yeah. Yeah, so I agree with you. There's, he needs to find one thing that he can just hammer home and make that like his his game, make it, make it what he does well. But as far as it goes as last night, I think it was a good step in the right direction. Um, is he, was he great in the pick and roll? I, not, I don't think he was great in the pick and roll. However, again, he needs to just find one thing that can make him or can keep him on the floor offensively and at least keep teams respecting him somewhere on the floor. Uh, and something that happened yesterday, of his eight shots, three of them were jump shots. One of them was a three. Two of them were mid-range. I'm going to keep it a buck with you guys. I don't care about the three-point shot. I, I, I'm, I told you guys this last year towards the end of the year when his volume went really high at the end of last season and his percentage sunk at the same time. I told you guys then I wasn't a big believer in him actually becoming a three-point shooter. However, last season he did really shoot well from the mid-range in the limited amount of attempts that he got. And I expected that to be something he continued to carry on over to the next season for the next, you know, for the rest of his career, et cetera. Uh, for like example, last season from three to 10 feet, he shot 52%. From 10 to 16 feet, he shot 55%. From 16 to three-point range, he shot 43%. Those are all really good numbers to be shooting from the mid-range. And he did that. It was a part of his game last year. So I expected to see that from him this year. I think my biggest issue with Stu is that it just it hasn't been there at all. Like it has, It's been something he almost looks scared to take it out there. At the beginning of the year, I know people speculated about whether he was actually being encouraged to take those shots. We had some quotes from Dwayne Casey that maybe – I know Dwayne came out and said, um, we don't want him to get too too, uh, too about shooting. He want, I want him to know what he's good at and know what his bread and butter is, which is physicality, rebounding, blah, blah. Some people took that as, oh, he's not being encouraged to shoot those. Then it started to look like maybe he's just being he's just kind of scared to take them right now. Who knows? But all I know is that last season during his rookie year, he made them extremely efficiently for the entirety of his rookie year, and he, we just hadn't seen it. Last night, he was taking them. I, Jokic was completely backing off of him, which you see a lot uh, so far this season. Teams, he'll get the ball at the high post to do like a dribble handoff, and teams literally would just, the big man would just drop all the way back in the paint. I, I tweet out a video or a clip from the Utah Jazz game where they ran a pick and roll with Stu, and he popped, and Gobert doesn't even respect it at all. Gobert was literally just allowed to patrol the paint and just make it incredibly hard for anyone in there because he just didn't respect Stu. But last night, Stu was able to take those shots. He hit those shots. And I think that's the part where he can actually be, you know, like Bryce said, he needs to find something. Is it the dunker spot? Is it a three-point range? Is it the one dribble kind of stuff? All that kind of stuff. He needs to find something. I think it's that mid-range pull-up, short roll in the pick and roll, or just, you know, if, if you're going with the dribble handoff from the high post, they want back up that far, take it every time. 
I think that's where he can find a role offensively and kind of feed off of that and let his offensive rebounding, his hustle kind of feed off of that. Uh, I think that's where his best role is. I don't think he's going to be a three-point shooter. I don't believe in him in the dunker spot because I don't think he's that explosive. Uh, I know he had a few post moves last night against Jokic, but we're talking about what we think is going to be sustainable. And I don't, for me, I don't think that's something that he can, that it's sustainable for him for the for an entire season or something that can be a, a big part of his game in the actual offense of a team that's trying to win. I think what can be, though, is him consistently taking that mid-range jump shot that he's proven to us he can hit. It's just a matter of, is he going to have the confidence to take them? So to tie back into Cade real quick, we've talked about wanting to see Cade in the post-up more, right? And there yep. was a couple times yesterday or Sunday in the, against the Nuggets where he like he got like a handoff. He got in a situation essentially where he was going to try to back his man down and go to the post, but the five man was coming down and helping on it because the, you know we weren't able to space the floor. And that's why it's so important. Situations like that. It's not about Isaiah Stewart necessarily scoring the basketball. This is why Kelly Olynyk so valuable, right? He's on the floor. You can tell the difference in how the opposing five man has to guard and how much more open the lane is whenever Kelly Olenek's on the floor because it opens up, drives for Killian, post-ups for Cade, you know, on down the line. And so I do think that's why it's a huge part, and I agree with you. I think it's the most sustainable and realistic. I do want to mention the post-ups real quick because I agree with you. I don't think you're going to be calling post-up isolations for Stewart all year, but I do think it would be nice to see him in transition when he gets early post-up in transition situations, um, a mismatch. And even like when he rolls and then posts up on the tag guy, like I think there's specific situations where five, six, seven times a game, if he was really, really good at it and figured it out, he could take advantage of his decent post game. Yeah, I think, and you saw that happen actually. His I, One of his first buckets were off what you're talking about right now. He beat Jokic down the floor. Cade brought it up and Stu was able to get Jokic basically underneath the basket on his back. And Cade fed him and he was able to get a hook shot off and score it. So in those situations, I definitely agree with you as well. It's kind of, you know, to bring up an old name, that's kind of the same thing that Sekou used to do. Like last year, we used to talk about, he used to race him down the floor. get really, really good at there. it. Yeah. So if Stu can do that kind of thing too, I think that's something that could really help the offense as well. Not even just if he gets the ball and scores himself. If he gets a mismatch on him or if he gets like a guard down because he gets down there first, now you've got the defense struggling. you got the defense rotating, trying to figure out how to match up right. You may get some defense to suck in on the defense. Now you've got a kick out. Like all those kind of things can happen. So I think those are two areas. I, I appreciate you bringing up that last point. The mid-range shot and his hustle and, and, and physicality and transition and securing a spot underneath the basket. I think those are two areas that he can try to keep sustainable for the rest of this year and maybe moving forward. And then he can try add on stuff after that if that's something that's capable of happening. Yeah, that's all. Like, I think it's just those little things like that that he does consistently, and they may make a bigger impact um, by the eye test, I guess, than maybe in the box score because he may not get an assist when he pokes up the opposing team's point guard and they get a mismatch. He doesn't get an assist for that, but it, it actually is because it's condensed the defense, like you say. So he can make huge impact. It's all about gravity, coup, right? It's all about being able yep. to attract the defense to you. Like Rudy, Go we talked about this, right? Rudy Gobert has gravity because he's a lob threat. Stewart's never going to have that gravity as a lob threat, but can he do it as a guy who's posting somebody up and creating advantages for the offense that way? That's what it's about, and he's got to find some unique ways to do it, but I think that he can. There you go. I completely agree with you. We'll see if Stu can string and take take this game to springboard himself into stringing some, some, some good games together moving forward. But when we come back, 
Killian Hayes was brought off the bench in his first game back from his hip injury. Is that something that we're going to continue to see moving forward? Was it just a one-off thing while he was on a minutes restriction since he was coming back from injury? We'll talk about all that and how he played last night in this final segment. But first, I have to tell you guys about one of our sponsors again. This one, BetOnline AG. BetOnline would like to wish you a happy new betting year as we continue our march to the playoffs and beyond. BetOnline remains the number one spot for all the best sports wagering action for the 2022 season. New year and new updated desktop and mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code Locked On to get started. From football, basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC, right to your va- favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all their amazing offers available for the 2022 season. Frontline is also the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports. So again, check out their new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code Locked On to get started. Again, that's Locked On to get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts. So I want to thank you guys again for making Lockdown Pistons your first listen of every single day. We are free and available on all your podcast platforms. And if you haven't already, head to the YouTube channel, hit that subscribe button. It's the best way to support the podcast. I appreciate all the support already shown over there, but let's keep it going. I'd really appreciate it. Let's get to 2,000 by like two months from now, somewhere around now. I'll, I'll end up hammering down a date that we actually want to hit our 2,000 uh, subscribers by. But we did just hit our 1,000 subscriber uh, goal two weeks early. So I'll give you guys a little bit of a break. I won't, I, I won't hammer down anything or or try to put us on some more pressure again. Uh, but we had some some interesting things happen yesterday, Bryce. We talked about Cade. We talked about Isaiah Stewart. Killian Hayes was brought off the bench. I know that's been a controversial topic there, him starting. Killian Hayes as a player in general is this controversial. You say his name and you might – you're either going to get tomatoes thrown at you or you're going to get awards handed to you. It's like you don't know which one's going to happen. You you might get you, you might get hit upside the head with something. You don't know what's going to happen. He's a very controversial player. I think at this point, Bryce, to be honest, I, I don't want to get sidetracked, but I know me and you talked a lot last year that Seku last year was the con- most controversial player on the team. I think Killian has by far like quadrupled how how controversial Seiku was last year, like quadruple. But either way, he came off the bench last night for the Pistons. Corey Joseph started instead. In those minutes, Killian came out, had eight, five, and three, three of five shooting, two of three from deep. I thought he played a fine game, uh, but we're not here to talk about the fine game. Everyone knows, at least I know, I've, I've witnessed now from everybody. If you say anything positive about Killian Hayes, people start getting ready to kill you. So I'm, that's not what we're going to do here. That's not that's not what we're going to do here. I'm not going to talk about the fact he had two blocks as a point guard, five assists, three bombs, eight points with a plus one on the floor. I'm not going to talk about any of that. I'm just going to ask you this, Bryce. First question. We're going we're going to spend a while talking about this last one. First one. Do you think this is going? Do you think this is just a one-off game, or do you think this is something Casey's now going to do moving forward? Because because he it was said before the game that it was he was on a ministry restriction first game back from hip injury but he didn't end up playing what was it didn't he end up playing 28 minutes anyways he ended up playing 25 minutes anyways so what do you think I feel like he actually ended up getting more of the fourth quarter rotation than what he normally does even when he starts if if I'm not mistaken so if you're asking me what I think is going to happen at least up until the trade deadline because I do think Kojo um, is sneakily becoming a trade uh, you know a trade target or somebody that could get moved I I think I'm leaning towards he may come off the bench. Um, I think that may end up being what happens. That's what I think is going to happen. That's not necessarily what I would do, um, but I'm not the head coach of the Pistons, so it doesn't matter. Um, But I do think that that may be what we see moving forward. 
Yeah, so we'll cut that cut this first one short. I do agree with you. I think this is, he probably is going to continue to come off the bench. Uh, so that obviously takes us to what we really want to hear about. Do you think it's the right move to bring Killian Hayes off the bench? I don't have some overwhelming like, oh my gosh, this is going to ruin him. This is the worst thing ever. I I don't have that. So like, I would just say no, I wouldn't do it. But and I know I, I'm kind of the guy that plays the middle a lot. I try to see both sides and probably too much at times. But in this one, I truly kind of can see both sides of it. And I personally would keep Killian Hayes in the starting lineup. I've said this multiple times. I've said it on the podcast. I've written articles about it. Like, I think he, I've tweeted about it. I think he is a really good fit next to Cade. Whether it ends up being him or not long-term, I don't know. But I would like to find out right now through the next 30 how many ever games of the season the Pistons have. I think his defense, what he does on that end, fits well next to Cade. And I, I tweeted this last night. He, he creates opportunities offensively. He creates advantages, Coop. His biggest thing is he has to figure out how to then capitalize on those advantages, whether it's scoring it, whether it's passing it, the decision-making in those situations. I don't think he's just like the worst player ever, like a lot of people think. But there is some things offensively he's got to fi- get figured out. And the three-point shot looked decent last night. So that c- continues to be a positive at times. So I think I'm going to shock people with this one, Bryce. Are you ready for this? I, I think I think it's probably going to be the right move to bring off the bench now. I I've been the main person saying that you shouldn't bring him off the bench. And I am right there with you. I still believe that him and Cade work together. I, I think they've shown good things together. I think they've shown promise. And we've talked about this before in the podcast. The archetype of Killian Hayes fits well with Cade. It's not going to – and one of you guys – if one of you guys who uh, listen to the podcast commented this on YouTube, so I'll give you guys a shout-out here. Um, you guys tweeted something that was – or commented something that was absolutely correct. It's not going it, to – the archetype of Killian fits well with Cade. Whether or not it works out will not be because Killian Hayes – of how he plays is going to be whether Killian Hayes actually becomes good at that stuff. Like it's, that's how, that's what's going to come down to a hundred percent. That's what he fits. Yes. Yes. No, I was just gonna say that's, that's, that's perfect. That's what I've been trying to say. And what you've been trying to say exactly is that's the type of player that fits. Killian just has to be good at it. Yes, exactly. So I believe in Killian starting next to Cade. I, I would, I would continue to start him, but I'm starting to think if basically last night, or two days ago when you guys listen to this, whenever, against the Denver Nuggets on Sunday. If if bringing Killian off the bench is what it's going to take to get him some of the run that we saw him getting, where he was the main focal point of the offense, and he's creating everything. For, like, people forget, or I guess I shouldn't say people forget, but people probably don't realize that in the third quarter, in the fourth quarter, he was the main catalyst of the Pistons' comeback. He was part of the downfall that happened, but when they started making that comeback, he was the one orchestrating the offense. He was running pick and rolls. So if that's what it's going to take for him, and you guys know I've been sitting here on the podcast for a long time saying, listen, he's good from the corners. You should spot him up in the corners. That's the best way. That's where he shoots best from. But if you go too extreme that way, now you're not utilizing him right. I've been begging for him to get more pick and roll uh, touches. And that he got a lot more of them last night or two nights ago on Sunday coming off the bench. So would I start him? Yes. Would I stagger them then as a starting lineup and make sure they both get their, their touches and pick and roll? Yes. But as Bryce said, we, neither of us are the coach of the Detroit Pistons. And based off what I saw yesterday, I don't know what it is, but it seems like Casey just finds a better way of, of doing that 
with Kalen Hayes off the bench, apparently. So would I start him still? I would. But I, I think that if if if, it's, if him coming out the bench is going to result in him getting the type of run he got yet or on Sunday against the Nuggets, then keep bringing him off the bench. It's probably best for him then if that's the case. And, you know, and a lot of his minutes still, and you mentioned it, he got a lot of run in the fourth quarter coming out the bench. He had like, I think he played like seven of the 12 minutes in the fourth quarter or so. Uh, and he played a lot of his minutes still. He still ended up on the floor a lot of times with K. Like at the end of the first half, he still, th- that starting lineup that was originally there still, I believe, closed the third quarter until like the two minute mark. And they brought Kojo back in. So he's still getting his run with those guys, still getting the run with K. But I guess this way was the only way so far. Casey found a way to get him his pick and roll touches as well. So that's why so I'm at with it. These two, I have, I have like two questions, but they kind of play off of each other. So do you think because he's coming off the bench, the expectations, not only from the fan base, but maybe even from coach Casey, like as co as a coach, I know that like sometimes you get lost in these things and you expect more from a guy that you start than a guy coming off the bench and, and whatever. So do you think it's because of the expectations why he got a little bit more trust? Because do you think he played any better or any different last night than a lot of other games we've seen him play this year? And, and I'll let That's, you answer that. Because so I'll go, I don't think we saw a whole lot different from him. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I tweeted this out earlier today, literally exactly what you're saying. The crazy thing is, and I have some of the Killian haters and some of the doubters of him, in my mention saying, oh, he looked so much better yesterday. No, he didn't. He did not. He looked the exact same yesterday as he always does. The only difference is now he's coming off the bench and all of a sudden you guys think he's he's really good at this. Except, like, it, it, he's the same player that he was when he was starting. Except when he was starting, you guys were too busy expecting 15-plus points, eight assists, all that kind of stuff. Like, for for example, the, hit the he had another game against Phoenix before he got hurt on the 16th. He had nine points, five assists, three rebounds, a block, shot three of six from the field. You say that as Killian Hayes, the starting shooting guard, oh, everyone flips out. Everyone loses their minds, like the Joker says it. By the way, the Joker is my favorite character of all time. I absolutely love the Joker. I wanted to get a tattoo of the Joker, like the old why so serious on my arm, but my fiance sadly squashed it. Who's the Joker? No, no, no. Nice. I'm, I'm, I'm Don't kidding. do it. I'm, I'm kidding. I was about I'm to kidding. say. No, no. The Dark Knight is. I, I've watched it. I've seen it. I know it. I was joking. I swear. I promise. I just. Knew I was about to say. You. I, the Marvel stuff. You. The Marvel stuff would be okay, but you not knowing Heath Ledger's Joker, I might have had to kick you off the podcast instantly. No. <laughs> a thousand percent a joke. A thousand percent. <laughs> but anyways, what I was saying was, <laughs> when he's the starting shooting guard, all of a sudden everyone hates it. He puts up basically the exact same stat line, affects the game in the exact same type of way off the bench. And now everyone's like, oh, he played so well. He looked so much better. He did it. He looked the exact same player that he's always been. And so I think, yes, the long-winded answer. But, yes, I think that him coming off the bench will make him maybe more appealing to fans now because now apparently the expectations will drop from, I guess, seventh overall pick standards and just normal 20-year-old trying to figure things out standards. And that uh, we've talked about that before as well. And I've talked about it on my podcast. At what point do you take a player and remove where he got drafted to determine his value and what he brings to a team? Because that's what it is for Killian, right? Is he was the number seven pick and Tyrese Halliburton's really good. Like at what point is that not Killian's fault that he got taken higher than what he should have? Like 
you know I'm a big fan of this guy, but there's only one person to blame that Killian Hayes got drafted higher than what he should have. And it's not Killian Hayes. It's Troy Weaver. Mm-hmm. So if you want to be mad at somebody, it's probably more so you should be mad at Troy Weaver for taking him too high. It's not Killian's fault that he got overvalued. And sh- if Killian Hayes was the 25th pick, like it, it, the whole narrative would be different. I just think at a certain point, you have to take where a player was drafted and remove that from them and be able to just look at them for what they are. When talking about the player, not a GM and an organization and what they're building, when evaluating a player. Okay, fair enough. I completely agree with that. I know there. Did you have that second? Did you want to ask that second question, or did we already answer? Like what? We no, were like about? those. Those were kind of just together. The expectations, and then whether or not you felt like he he played any different or any better. Because I agree with you. I, I thought he played the same way he kind of always plays. So yeah, that that was basically going to be like what I talked about next. But we summed it all up right there. This is the last thing I'll say about Killian Hayes. So I want to throw this number out to you, Bryce. You just tell me. You tell me what you think about this right here, and. I'll maintain right now. You guys know, and I, let me actually, let me make this point clear actually first. When you listen to the Lockdown Pistons podcast, when you listen to Koopy Hill talk, you're going to get a more pro Killian vibe because I am one of the people who believe in Killian. You can get more negative vibes from somewhere else. I'm sure you can find other guys who don't believe in Killian as much. So when you're listening to me and you wonder, why is he, why do I always hear positive things? It's because I believe in Killian. I believe in his skill set. I like him. So you're going to get more of a positive vibe from me. That's just what's going to happen. But I want to throw this out to you, Bryce. Just be, without looking, don't cheat. Don't don't cheat the numbers here. How many games have Killian Hayes played in his career? 57. He's played 60 games in his career. Now, this is the point I want to bring to you right here. So... <clears throat> Who's the player that that a lot of people compare him to, that we've been comparing him to? I guess I should say as his like cap, where he should, where he like the archetype he's filling out. His comp, yeah, yeah. Lonzo, Lonzo Ball. Okay, how long? Did, you under we we both understand it took Lonzo Ball how many? It took Lonzo Ball like three seasons, three full off seasons to get his shot together to where he's at now, being a really good shooter. You want to know what Lonzo Ball shot through the first two seasons of his career? Probably less than 30% from three. He shot 38% from the floor, 31% from deep, 44% on all two-pointers, and 43% from the free throw line. Killing Hayes so far through 60 games is shooting 35% from the floor, 29% from deep, and 39% from two-point range. Now, Killian has done that through 60 games. It took Lonzo Ball. I, you know what? I won't include the entirety of his third season because the third season when he kind of improved. Through two seasons, Lonzo played 99 career games to get to where he was then. And then I I would say that you probably have to incorporate some of his third season. So we're looking at around somewhere north of 100 career NBA games that Lonzo had to play until he realized or until he pieced together his jump shot together. Got, got his jump shot together, basically what I'm saying. My, lack, my, my overall point here is Killian Hayes is in the first season of him reworking his shot completely. He, re, he has completely reworked his footwork, his stance, all that in the offseason. You're not going to see it instantly. I feel like next year is when you'll get a better look on whether he's going to be that fit next to Cade. I, you want to see improvement this season, absolutely. You want to see him continue to play better. But I think jump shot-wise, I think next season is when you should see – I think if you don't see some legitimate improvements next season, jump shot-wise on pull-ups and stuff, like his base 
and all that stuff, I think that's when you should be able to say, okay, maybe it's not working out. So I, you bring up a point there. So I'm going to take that point to this team in general. All of the, all three of these sophomores, I guess four if you want to include Saban Lee, but even Troy Weaver, Dwayne Casey in the organization. I know Casey's been here longer, but I've kind of taken that approach with all of these guys. And uh, again, with Troy Weaver and the rebuild or the restoration in, and, and people will, ho- I'll hold myself accountable. I promise I will. And people can hold me accountable. I'm trying to wait to give any overall like judgments on these players, Troy Weaver or the restoration until next season. I think next season, I think we all jumped the gun. I a hundred percent jumped the gun on what they were going to do this year. I will admit it. But I think next year is where you really have to start seeing improvement individually and collectively from this team. And if you don't, then that's when you start questioning guys individually or collectively. Yep, completely agree. So to end this segment, we both think that he's going to continue to come off the bench. I, I believe we both would start him ourselves. And I want, and and my overall point is, if it's going to get him more run as a pick and roll ball handler and more touches in 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 just orchestrating the offense, bringing him off the bench may not be so bad. And also will lower some of the expectations of of what fans may think of him. And maybe people start to turn around a little bit with how they feel about him because all of a sudden, eight, six, and five off the bench is looks a lot better apparently if, if you're playing the same amount of minutes but just starting versus benching. I don't get it, but apparently it does. Uh, thank you, Bryce, for coming on, man. Let everybody know where they can find you stuff and, and your Twitter or your podcast and all that. Yeah, on Twitter, at Motor City Hoops, writing articles at Detroit Bad Boys. Check those out. I got a, a defensive breakdown dropping anytime. I got a Killian Hayes defensive-specific one coming in the next week. And then, again, just a real quick plug. Tuesday morning, dropping the newest episode with Nick Willis, a former Olympic runner, four-time Olympian, bronze, silver medalist. And, and it was a fun episode. We recorded it on Sunday, and it, it's awesome. You guys got to check it out. Really good stuff from Nick. Definitely go check it out at Motor City Hoops, obviously. Go check it out. Bryce does great stuff over there. Thank you, Bryce, for coming on, as always. Uh, Hal made a joke last podcast about he he's starting to catch up to you a little I, bit. I know, no, I know. I know that my, <laughs> I'm, I'm, my high school season only has about six more weeks, and then it's over, so then I, I'll be a little more available. But, no, Hal does great stuff. I, I know the listeners love him as well, and he's got great basketball mind and piss and stuff as well. So I'm just glad that I can be a part of it with you and him and, and all your other guests. Appreciate it, man. Everyone go check out Bryce. Follow him on Twitter at Motor City Hoops. I want to thank you guys for making Lockdown Pistons your first listen of every single day where you're free and available on all your podcast platforms. If you haven't already, head to the YouTube channel. Hit that subscribe button. It's, it's the best way to support the podcast. I'd really appreciate it. Also, make Lockdown Bets your second listen of every single day, your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. Hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. It's free and available on all your podcast platforms. Again, thank you guys for listening to today. Make sure you guys go check out Bryce on Twitter at Motor City Hoops. I hope you guys enjoyed that Denver game. And like I said, tomorrow's podcast, we will officially be back on schedule. We have some guests coming this week. It's going to be a fun week of podcasts. I'm not going to spoil who it is, but I think it's going to be a lot of fun. You guys are really going to enjoy it. Some new, some new voices, and we'll be sure to have Bryce back on soon. Until next time, I'll see you guys later. Peace out, everybody, and go Pistons.